Hey everybody, Nick Espinosa, your chief security fanatic here, and it is Sunday, and we are doing breaches of the week. And this week's data breaches was, well, data breaches. There's always data breaches. It's just nonstop. But before we begin, as always, I want to thank the following people that sent me a lot of this information, and that would be Joe DiBiase, Kelly Roskoff, Andy Jenkinson, Jay Dance, and Jacqueline Wolf. Guys, thank you so much, and please keep sending those tips my way. It always helps me out here, and I'll give you a shout-out here as well. Moving on, let's start with Okta. That's right, Okta, the Identity Access Management Platform. Uh, they basically, this is an update from their supply chain breach that they had back in 2023, and now we've got another one that is essentially declaring, and that would be massive infrastructure provider Cloudflare. That's right. Apparently, it's it's impacting their Atlassian, Bitbucket, Confluence, and Jira platforms starting on Thanksgiving Day. So Cloudflare, not immune from this after all, but obviously, that's a huge thing. So that's a huge problem, and obviously, I'll keep you up to date on anything Okta and any other supply chain breach that we've got. Moving on. Let's do our mini segment real quick, and uh, actually it is a short one for this week uh, regarding uh, basically lawsuits, basically meaning if you just spent money, you wouldn't be getting sued, you wouldn't be paying out, you wouldn't be losing your reputation if you just spent on cybersecurity. And this week's is BlackBot, and so I'm. this is the only one I'm doing because I think it's that important. BlackBot had a massive, massive, massive ransomware attack back in May of 2020 that essentially required absolutely everybody uh, in terms of nonprofit and educational institutions to declare data breaches because they are huge. Now, BlackBot has finally settled with the Federal Trade Commissioner FTC after being charged with poor security and uh, poor security practices and reckless data retention practices leading up to that May uh, data breach back in 2020, affecting millions of people and thousands of institutions. Now, as part of that settlement, the FTC has ordered uh, BlackBot to improve its security measures and ensure that it deletes any customer data that is no longer needed from its systems. In other words, its data retention policies are vastly changing. BlackBot will also be barred from inaccurately portraying its data security and data retention protocols and will be required to create an information security program designed to rectify the concerns outlined in the FTC's complaint. That is obviously a huge thing when data breaches are downplayed or you know they're not really uh, you know brought up or you're getting assurances and they're making assurances to you as you're like, hey, I want to use BlackBot for my nonprofit. And BlackBot is saying, oh yeah, we got it totally covered. We have amazing cybersecurity when they clearly don't. All of that is going away. And quite frankly, it should go away for everybody. Now, according to this proposed order, BlackBot must also establish a data retention schedule detailing the rationale behind retaining personal data and specifying the timeline for its deletion. BlackBot is also mandated to promptly notify the FTC in the event of a data breach that requires reporting to relevant local, state, or federal agencies. In other words, BlackBot can't sit on this for months like they did previously. Now they've got a report. So obviously that is huge news. And the reason why it's the only one in the mini segment, and there's other class actions going on and all of that, but I really wanted to focus on BlackBot this week because this was one of those ones where I was sitting here doing breaches of the week back then too, and for about a year... I just was doing nothing but talking about all of the organizations that had to declare, similar to the Move It breach uh, that we just saw back in 2023. So understand 
how important cybersecurity is. And if you're a business that is catering to other businesses, especially as a cloud provider, you've got to make sure that this is super tight. Not to mention the fact this gives BlackBot's competitors advantage to start siphoning clients away to say, well, we've got good security here and we've got a, pla a platform that competes. So why on earth would you want to be on BlackBot? They lost a ton of money through this. Super, super important. So that's the end of the mini segment this round. But Plenty more to talk about, and we will get to that sooner than later. And so with that, let's move on and head over to the United Kingdom and talk about a platform called Class Charts. Now, the UK Information Watchdog is investigating reports of a data breach on the Class Charts behavioral, uh, basically behavior management platform, which is used by tens of thousands of teachers across the island. Now, some parents logging on to Class Charts last week were reportedly shown data relating to other children, meaning you logged in to look at juniors, whatever, you saw somebody else's junior. Now, class charts is used by more than 180,000 teachers, according to their website, and the company says it can, quote, save teachers time and reduce workload with our data-rich seating plans and improve pupil behavior with our fast and effective behavior management, end quote. Class charts is owned by Tess Global Limited, and they did not respond to requests for comment by the media, so we'll see where go there, where that hap where, where, where this goes, but if you are in the UK and your, your child's school or educational institution is using class charts, you might want to check in. Moving on, let's head on over to Canada and talk about their Global Affairs Canada, or GAC. This is the Foreign Affairs Department for the entire Canadian government. Quote, early results of the investigation indicate that there has been a data breach and that there has been unauthorized access to personal information of users, including employees. The department is contacting those affected with mitigation measures to ensure that sensitive and personal information is secure. That is the GAC talking to Canadian news outlet Global News. Now, the data breach affected the remote access to GAC's network and several employees were asked to stop working remotely. Per CBC News, which viewed the emails sent to these employees, the data breach affected two internal drives, emails, calendars, and contacts of several staff members. And another email sent to staff members, according to CBC News, the GAC's internal systems were vulnerable between December 20th of last year through January 24th of this year. Uh, and that is basically uh, anybody using their secure integrated global network or Signet laptop uh, basically was publicly exposed. Signet is supposed to be the secure network that is used by the GAC, essentially their U.S. State Department. Now, now, the data breach occurred because of a compromised VPN or virtual private network system managed by the federal government's Shared Services Canada, and that is essentially used by the remote workers for the GAC. So obviously that is a really huge thing. Like, I mean, imagine the Foreign Affairs Department, State Department, whatever you want to call it, of any major country like Canada getting compromised, and here we are. The scope of the data breach has not been made clear yet by the Canadian government. So heads up to you if you're doing anything where for, for Canadian foreign affairs, this may affect you directly. Moving on, let's talk about insurance broker Keenan & Associates, and I think this is one I'm going to be talking about for at least weeks as others declare, because insurance consulting and brokerage firm Keenan & Associates is informing more than 1.5 million individuals that their personal information was stolen in an August 2023 cyber attack. Now, in this incident, the company said in a notification on its website that this was discovered on August 27 when disruptions occurred on some of its servers and essentially was contained within hours, according to their reporting. Keenan's investigation into the cyber attack revealed that a quote, 
unauthorized party gained access to certain Keenan internal systems at various times between approximately August 21, 2023 and August 27, 2023. End quote. Now, during that time, the attackers apparently exfiltrated some data off the company's systems, including personal information that Keenan had received and utilized to provide services to its clients. According to the company, the exposed information is simply what you would expect. So we're talking names, dates of birth, social security, driver's license, passport, health insurance information, and general health information as well. So heads up to you if you use Keenan and Associates or, or anything in your ecosystem does you may be caught up in this as well. Moving on, <clears throat> let's head on over to Iowa and talk about Demos, that is the Des Moines Orthopedic Surgeons. Now, they're warning patients that their private information may have been compromised by a security incident. Quote, Demos experienced a security incident that impacted their networks on or about February 17, 2023, so last year, almost a year ago, when an unauthorized actor was able to access and or remove certain Demos files from its network due to a Demos vendor failure, end quote. That's according to their disclosure on their website. They did not determine uh, that personal and health information was compromised until December 6th of last year. Why did it take that long? I don't know. But we're talking about social security numbers, births, uh, birth dates, driver's license, uh, other kinds of IDs, passports, direct deposit bank information, medical health insurance information as well. So if you're a patient over at Demos in Des Moines, Iowa, definitely check in. Moving on, let's head down under for football Australia. Passports, player contracts, and more have been available online for almost two years due to a Football Australia data breach, which cybersecurity researchers say includes the information on every Australian fan and customer of the governing body of football down under. Now, uh, basically, Cyber News detected the leak and informed the FA, allowing football officials to plug the hole before the issue was made public this past Thursday morning. So basically, Football Australia made contact with the office of the Australian Information Commissioner, this is their data watchdog, regarding this potential breach that day as well. The leak was identified when keys to their storage server were hard-coded into an HTML page on their website. And so obviously you could grab that and simply log right in. Now, Cyber News also said they had access to 127 buckets of FA data on Amazon Web Services, which included such personal information as uh, play, basically personal identifiable information of the players themselves, ticket purchases, and details and codes about the FA's digital infrastructure as well. So obviously that's a huge issue. So if you're a player or a fan of Football Australia Down Under, you definitely want to check in. Moving on, let's talk about global orthopedic implant device and surgical instrument manufacturer, ExactTech. Now, their network was breached this past April, resulting in the potential compromise of personal data belonging to 4,230 individuals across the United States. Information that could have been stolen, according to disclosures, was names, username, email address, passwords, as well as social security numbers and other government IDs, not to mention medical and health insurance details as well. And also credit card and debit cards essentially were caught up in this as uh, also. So exact tech customers, patients, whatever, uh, you know the drill, it just keeps on rolling. With that, let's head on over to Europe and talk about car rental giant, Europe Car. That's Europe Car with one word, no E in the middle. Don't ask why. This one, though, is interesting. And I, I found this to be interesting, and I think this is going to be a sign of the times where you're essentially going to, let's say, have extortion 
without actually having extortion. And, and, and hear me out here, because a user in a well-known hacking forum advertised what they claimed was a cache of stolen data from rental car giant uh, Europe Car. The user claimed to have stolen the personal information of more than 48 million Europe Car customers, and they were basically listening to offers to sell all of this hacked data. Here's the thing, though. The data appears to be completely made up. Maybe it was created with something like a chat GPT, and this is according to Europe Car themselves. Now, Europe Car spokesperson Vincent Vaud basically told TechCrunch that the company investigated the alleged breach after a threat intelligence service alerted it to this form's advertisement. Quote, thoroughly checking the data contained in the sample, we are confident that this advertisement is false. This is according to Mr. Vavoud, Vavoud uh, in an email. He also added, the number of records is completely wrong and inconsistent with ours. The sample data is likely chat GPT generated. Addresses don't exist. Zip codes don't match. First and last name don't match. Email addresses. Email addresses use very unusual TLDs. And most importantly, none of the email addresses were actually present in the Europe Card database. And so somebody decided to spoof Europe Car and try to sell that. Now, I think that's a really interesting change because as I've talked about extensively on this show, and you know I have on disinformation coming on things like political campaigns, especially here in the United States, but also elsewhere in the world, there's no reason why you couldn't fake data sets and attempt to extort uh, essentially a company, a major company like Eurocar that's worth quite a lot of money or sell something if nobody's looking close enough and simply turn a profit on other thieves. That is a huge, huge issue. Not to mention the fact it's potential reputation damage because as I'm sitting here talking about Eurocar, let's say you tuned out after I did my whole spiel and the last thing you heard was Eurocar and you changed the channel, you know, for whatever reason. And now you're thinking, oh my God, I rented from them and they're getting me screwed. Screw those guys. I'm never going to rent from them again when it's really not true. So these are things that we have to be aware of as we are going through this. And I've actually been caught up in cases before uh, where essentially data was was claimed to have been at a customer. We got a frantic call, it's my day job, basically saying, hey, like, you know, one of our vendors, our cloud platform got hit and they're being threatened in the dark web. Can you check this out? And so we said, sure. We went to the leak site, we grabbed a copy of the data and the, the cloud provider was like, yeah, well, this isn't us. It's a company with a similar name, but it's not us. You know, and these are things that we have to be very aware of as we are just going through our everyday life. So keep that in mind as you are looking at data breaches, make sure they're actually real, because I think we're going to see an increase of basically fake sales of fake data because everybody's trying to turn a buck. Moving on, let's head on down to the south of the United States and talk about Fulton County, Georgia. Now, interestingly enough, you may know Fulton County. One of the lawsuits on former President Trump is basically going off there or is it criminal charges? It's one of, one of the many different lawsuits on the president. I'm not adjudicating that for whatever. I don't care what you believe. But Fulton County was at the center of the 2020 election uh, of potential malfeasance, et cetera, et cetera, in Georgia. And so here's interesting news from Fulton County, Georgia, because we have two back-to-back uh, basically notifications here. One is from Fulton County, Georgia's government systems. As of last Tuesday, they are still down due to a cybersecurity incident. And the county learned about this outage basically a week ago from today. And the Department of Information and Technology was working that Monday morning, like six-ish days ago, to get their systems back online. Now, the Fulton County Tax Commissioner's office in downtown Atlanta was also closed that Monday. Other offices were limited to basically tag renewals, 
uh, via kiosks, that kind of thing. Also, there was no public uh, library computer access at the county's libraries, but the catalog was still operational as of that Monday. Fulton County, uh, as of about four or five days ago, does not have a timeline for when their services might be back up. Hopefully, they're, they're on their feet now. So the question then becomes, and nobody's stating this, who hit them? And why? Did just this happen to be another random ransomware group that said, oh, another county is vulnerable because we see local government get hit constantly here in the United States? Or because they are a high-profile county at this time, thanks to the former president, were they targeted in some way? And I think this is going to be an interesting one to watch because the next one up is Fulton County Schools as well. And obviously, Fulton County's having a pretty bad week. Now, the Fulton County School District are also investigating a security breach where they believe students gain unauthorized access to com school computer systems, meaning this is not part of that unless these students knocked out the entire county, you know, as one big oops or, or malicious or whatever. But again, not, not good. Now, in a statement sent to parents by Innovation Academy Principal Scott Kent, he said that the district is reviewing their computer network and this breach is under investigation. The school district did not specify when this incident happened, but notified parents on Monday, January 29th. Now, Mr. Kent said in the email that most uh, basically uh, Innovation Academy services were restored that Monday and students could access their FCS accounts, uh, such as Canvas and Teams. Now, the school said until further notice, students will need to use their FCS-provided laptop for network access. In other words, they're shutting down, uh, let's say, outside wireless or guest wireless because maybe somebody was able to penetrate it, like a student, and students are young whippersnappers. I used to be one of those. Now, Innovation Academy is a high school of roughly 1,600 students that sits on the former site of Milton High School in downtown Alpharetta in Fulton County. So while it is not related, apparently, to the cyber attack against the county government, just coming and going, Fulton County is not having a good week. So I'm very curious to, to, to keep on this Fulton County one. I'm going to keep an eye on it for everybody here, including myself, and uh, we'll, see, we'll see what's happening. But, you know, if this is a local hit, let's say, due to the... Uh, supporter of the president or foreign intelligence agency looking for specific things like, you know, the actual records, you know, that are going on in this particular court case. We'll see. Again, not adjudicating that. Don't care what you believe. But that is something that we have to consider, especially in a politically divided time. Moving on. Let's head on over to New Jersey and talk about Freehold Township. Now, the Freehold Township School District specifically on January 28th informed its staff, families, and students that its schools and offices would be closed that day due to cybersecurity incident. School officials said that because of the incident, the district located in Freehold, New Jersey, was experiencing technical difficulties and that it is working with third-party experts to essentially rectify the issue. Diane martello Brathauer, the district assistant superintendent, apologized apologize on her Twitter account for the inconvenience after announcing the disruption uh, basically the district is facing. So heads up to you. Like I said, we see a lot of local schools and, and counties get hit. Never fun. But heads up, Freehold Township, especially your school district in New Jersey. Moving on, let's talk about AnyDesk. This is the major platform. You may have heard of it. Tons of companies use it, and this is directly from their website. Following indications of an incident on some of our systems, we conducted a security audit and found evidence of compromised production systems, meaning those that are live for all of us to use for any desk customers. I continue. We immediately activated a remediation and response plan involving security experts at CrowdStrike. 
very well known. The remediation plan has concluded successfully. The relevant authorities have been notified and we are working closely with them. This incident is not related to ransomware. So there you go. Now on top of it, they revoked all of their security related certificates and systems. And so they're gonna basically be revoking a whole bunch of stuff. And meaning if you're uh, an existing customer, you may have to reestablish connections or encryption keys with them as well. And so they say they're designed, their systems are designed not to store those private keys, but if somebody's getting in, that's an issue. They're also revoking all passwords to their web portal, my.anydesk.com. And so you basically are gonna have to change your password as well. So if you're an AnyDesk user, heads up to you. I do not have any disclosure at this time as to what was potentially taken. Odds are, if this happened recently, then CrowdStrike or, or any other third party that is working with AnyDesk may be going through a forensic audit right now to essentially see what is going on, good, bad, or ugly. And with that, We've got one finally for you this week, and this is an interesting one, and I wanted to talk about this one as well, because quite frankly, kids, if you're listening, cybercrime doesn't pay, even if it doesn't happen immediately. Now, this is amazing and disgusting all at the same time, but what we are talking about here is a former agent of the CIA, or Central Intelligence Agency. They are, obviously, they are one of the spy outfits that we have here in the United States, with their jurisdiction being outside the borders of the US. Now, a former CIA agent was just convicted in the largest data breach in CIA agency history, along with child pornography, basically child sexual abuse material, or CSAM, and now he's going to spend 40 years in prison. Now, here's what happened. Joshua Adam Schulte, age 35, of the state of New York, was sentenced to 40 years for espionage, computer hacking, contempt of court, lying to the FBI, and obviously CSAM as well. Now, prosecutors uh, had asked for Schulte to basically be sentenced to life in prison. Schulte's attorney asked for nine years, noting that his client has already been locked up for seven years uh, under conditions that he likened to, quote-unquote, torture. Sorry, dude, you're, you're in jail. I mean, that's literally what jail is. It's not supposed to be a, a, a vacation. Now, U.S. District Judge Jesse Furman imposed the 40-year sentence after Schulte's convictions at trials in 2020, 2022 and September of 2023, meaning they were getting through all of these and now we're in the sentencing phase. Justice moves slowly here in the United States. That's not a bad thing for the record, uh, providing it's correct. Now, Schulte's theft was the largest data breach, as I mentioned, in the history of the CIA. He gave stolen information to WikiLeaks, one of the obviously in one of the largest unauthorized disclosures of classified information in the history of the United States. Schulte worked as a software developer from 2012 to 2016 in the Center for Cyber Intelligence, which is responsible for offensive cyber operations, such as the cyber espionage relating to the terrorists to terrorist groups and foreign governments. In other words, he was probably caught up in the Vault 7 leak, if you recall, because that was a massive leak of the actual offensive tools that the CIA were using. And we learned that they could just like walk into Cisco products left and right, and Cisco basically had to scramble to secure and release patching, and I'm sure half the Cisco products still aren't patched, because that's how people roll. Now, in March of 2016... Schulte was moved within branches of the CCI as a result of personal disputes between himself and another developer on the staff. After that transfer in April 2016, Schulte used his administrator powers to then grant himself administrative privileges over a development project, which he had been removed from as a result of that change. In other words, he just went back in and said, well, I'm an administrator again. Now, officials detected that change and he was given a warning. I don't know why he wasn't terminated at that point, because it's clearly a breach of security protocol disciplinary policies kick in but if you've got issues that's that's 
egregious. That's like showing up drunk to work in, in the cybersecurity world. Now, Schulte had secretly opened an administrator session on one of the servers before his privileges were removed. In other words, he had maintained established connections, even though they had essentially killed his ability to log back in, meaning once that was logged out, he would have been over, but he had a session open. Now, on April 20th of 2016, after other developers had left the office, Schulte then went ahead and restored his revoked privileges, because remember, he had established that connection. Then he broke into back, uh, backups, stole copies of the entire CCI tool development archives, reverted the network back to its prior state, and deleted hundreds of logs in an attempt to cover his tracks. That is the Vault 7 data breach right there. Now, from his home, Schulte sent stolen information to WikiLeaks. Obviously, we know WikiLeaks from Julian Assange and all that craziness, etc., etc. Now, the U.S., um, obviously still is working to extradite Assange from the UK to face charges in the US. That's been a whole mess. WikiLeaks obviously started publishing this information as Vault 7 in 2017. Now, in March of 2017, the FBI searched his apartment. Agents recovered computers, servers, electronic storage devices, including Schulte's personal, Schulte's personal laptop. On there, the FBI agents found layers of encryption hiding tens of thousands of videos of basically CSAM, child sexual abuse material, including approximately 3,400 images and videos and that is as far as I'm going to go with that because the description that followed in that article is enough for me to lose sleep at night let alone everybody else what a disgusting thing so obviously this dude spending 40 years in prison for that so crime does not pay kids I'm telling you right now but that is a huge black eye for the CIA and I remember basically being able to grab a copy of the vault 7 tools as was a million people now they're pretty much inert because everything's been fixed but that was a huge damaging moment you know for the cybersecurity community and it's definitely for u.s intelligence services it set back offensive capabilities for u.s intelligence by a good chunk so that's over with the guys in jail and and quite frankly if you're gonna go do something like that don't just don't you know feel free to whistleblow and all of that but the last thing you want to be doing is living in moscow with edward snowden you know under the russian government or sitting 40 years in jail i don't know which is worse Anyway, those, that's your news of the week. Those were your breaches. Were you affected? Let me know. And please like, share, follow me here on Facebook and Twitter at Nick AESP. And please feel free to subscribe to me at YouTube as well. And as always, stay safe, stay online, and please, just please attempt to stay private. Thanks, everybody.